Hello and welcome to season two of the Revival Podcast. Revival is a place where you can come to encounter and ponder truth. In this podcast, we are going to be exploring the rich abundance of truth that the Catholic Church has to offer in all her wisdom. My name is Tara Lauderdale, and each episode I will be reading an excerpt from spiritual books, church councils, writings from the saints, and more, and then offering a brief commentary on what I've read. This is so we can have the opportunity to hear and contemplate truth, and then allow this truth to penetrate into our daily lives so that we can become imitators of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Revival. I know that it has been a little bit, and for that, I apologize. I have had much going on with school and mission and all the things, but I am grateful because it is school which continues to give me my material for this podcast. So I'm very ready to talk about what we're going to talk about today. It's something that's been really on my heart for several months, I think probably since I began as a parish missionary, but even more so what we're going to discuss today has been something that I just have really wanted to talk about. So I'm really ready to go for today. So um, nobody knew today, unfortunately, we are going to be reading an excerpt from Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, The Spirit of the Liturgy. I am reading this book for the class I'm currently taking, which is a really hard class. Uh, It's called Mystagogy, and it's over the study of the sacraments uh, in a nutshell. But this book by Cardinal Ratzinger is really extraordinary. And I was studying it the other day. And, well, not the other day anymore. It's actually quite a while ago. But... I was studying it and his writing actually made me cry in my office. So hopefully I don't cry today, but you really never know with these things. So know that if I do cry in this podcast, it will not be edited out. You're going to get the raw version of Tara. So there you go. Know that you can expect that for today. Whatever happens. I don't know what's going to happen. I never know. It's always the Holy Spirit who just does his thing. So I'm going to read a few excerpt. Uh, there are paragraphs and maybe a couple sentences from the Spirit of the Liturgy. And it's from his chapter on the body and the liturgy. Okay, so this is why I'm really hyped about talking about this particular subject. So as a parish missionary, I get to witness all the things. I get to see the underbelly of the church, if you will. But also, I get to worship alongside the people that I minister to. And I, if you know me and you hang out with me, you've heard this before, but I am just extraordinarily passionate about the treatment of the sanctuary or really any uh, space where Jesus Christ is held 
in a tabernacle, uh, in the Eucharist. And something I've noticed on a frequent, too frequent basis, unfortunately, is is an irreverence, uh, in all honesty, for the sanctuary. And and when I say for the sanctuary, I mean for Christ himself. It's an irreverence for Christ himself because um, we kind of waltz into the sanctuary. We kind of, okay, where am I going to sit? Get really quickly to the pew. Do this really quick genuflect, maybe, um, and then get into the pew. And then mass begins. We participate in the mass. And then as soon as mass is over, it's like the sanctuary is an ordinary reception hall or place where you hang out and we we do not treat it as the place where the Lord humbles himself to reside. And so I was really moved by this chapter that Cardinal Ratzinger wrote on the body and the liturgy. And it's really kind of based on these ideas that okay, so we are incarnate. We we are body, soul, what we do in the body is a reflection of our interior. What we're experiencing in our interior lives comes out in our body. Um, a normal, natural example is um, a friendship or a relationship. As you grow closer to someone, you desire to translate that through your body, right? If you hardly know someone, a handshake is appropriate when you greet them. But say you're seeing a friend after a really long period of time, you're going to hug them and you're going to hug them well and you're going to hug them long, probably. And so this is the exact same thing with our Lord, right? What we experience in our interior, what not even necessarily just what we feel, but what we think, what we know, what we understand about the Lord should translate into our bodies. But then simultaneously, what we do in our bodies actually transforms our interior. It's insane how that works. So it's kind of like the practice of the virtues. The more you practice a virtue, the easier it becomes, but you have to push it out of your interior to do it, but then your exterior actions actually end up changing your interior. So it's just a beautiful reality of the Christian faith, and it makes sense because our Lord is human and divine. He's both, 100%. And so um, he models perfectly for us this bodily worship, what it is to let our bodies truly be temples of the Holy Spirit to glorify him and to be sanctified. So this passage that I'm going to read today from Colonel Ratzinger is on participation in the liturgy. And he talks about the different gestures that we do in our bodies. But first and foremost, he recognizes that this action of the liturgy, this this worship that has been handed on to us, that has been revealed through tradition, has been transmitted to us from the apostles, from the early church, from Christ himself. What we do literally today, well, not literally today, today is Saturday. Well, that it also happens on Saturday, but I guess technically what we do every day. But, but most especially what we do on Sundays, this perfect worship um, has been handed on to us, and it is the action of God himself that we are participating in, that is led by the priest. So I wanted to read the, read and speak about his section on the gesture of kneeling. And it was so powerful. I cannot wait to share it with you all. So, okay, 
Why do we kneel? Well, hopefully we can answer that question today in this podcast, but specifically Cardinal Ratzinger, when he starts off this section, he says, we are kneeling before the humility of Christ. We are kneeling before the humility of Christ. That is what we are doing. And so he talks about three different forms of kneeling. First, there is prostration, where we're lying with our face to the ground before the overwhelming power of God. The second form of kneeling is when we fall to our knees before another. And then the third is just ordinary kneeling. And so he offers um, examples for this first type of kneeling, this prostration where we're lying with our face to the ground before God. And he offers examples of Moses in the burning bush. Um, But then he offers this beautiful, incredible example of Christ um, on the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. So that's where we're going to start today. That's the excerpt I'm going to read. In the case of the New Testament, from the fathers onward, Jesus's prayer on the Mount of Olives was especially important. According to St. Matthew and St. Mark, Jesus throws himself to the ground. Indeed, he falls to the earth. However, St. Luke, who in his whole work is in a special way the theologian of kneeling prayer, tells us that Jesus prayed on his knees. This prayer, the prayer by which Jesus enters into his passion, is an example for us, both as a gesture and in its content. The gesture, Jesus assumes, as it were, the fall of man, lets himself fall into man's fallenness, prays to the Father out of the lowest depths of human dereliction and anguish. He lays his will in the will of the Father's. Not my will, but yours be done. He lays the human will in the divine. He takes up all the hesitation of the human will and endures it. It is this very conforming of the human will to the divine that is the heart of redemption. For the fall of man depends on the contradiction of wills, on the opposition of the human will to the divine, which the tempter leads man to think is the condition of his freedom. Only one's autonomous will, subject to no other will, is freedom. Not my will, but yours. Those are the words of truth. For God's will is not in opposition to our own, but the ground and condition of its possibility. Only when our will rests in the will of God does it become truly will and truly free. The suffering and struggle of Gethsemane is the struggle for this redemptive truth, for this uniting of what is divided, for the uniting that is communion with God. Now we understand why the Son's loving way of addressing the Father, Abba, is found in this place. St. Paul sees in this cry the prayer that the Holy Spirit places on our lips and thus anchors our spirit-filled prayer in the Lord's Prayer in Gethsemane. Wow, I was kind of tripping over a few words there, so hopefully you all understood me. But I just, this, this, what I just read is everything. I, I really do. I think it is everything because what Cardinal Ratzinger has just addressed is the prayer of Christ in Gethsemane, where he falls prostrate before the Father begging that the Father's will would be done in him. And as Cardinal Ratzinger says, he says, the fall of man was when man said, I must be autonomous. 
I must be my own. I must choose my own will, my own way, my own plan. That was the fall of man. And Jesus, by quite literally in his body, lowering himself to the ground, prostrating before the Father, is entering into the fallenness of humanity. And in the very depths of humanity, cries out to the Father what we should have said in the garden. Not my will, but yours be done. And it's through this bodily gesture that Christ's interior reality becomes present. It becomes real. It becomes visible to us. And I think what is so striking about this passage is we have to admit sin is sin is when we don't conform our wills to the Lord. When we say, no, Lord, I want to control. I want to have a plan. I want to be God. And when we experience that or choose that in our interior, it, yeah, it, it translate into bodily gestures of irreverence. And Jesus models for us this reverence before the divine will in his human will. And, and in the person of Jesus, in his humanity and in his divinity, he unites the human will perfectly with the divine will in these words to the Father. Not my will, but yours be done. And then his bodily gesture is the fruit of this interior reality. This is everything. This, this is everything. And I hope... Obviously, as I've said like five times already, this is everything to me and I hope it's everything to you too, right? We don't become saints being autonomous. We don't become holy when we choose our own wills and our own plans and, and control. We, we cannot become holy that way. We become holy through humility and through this humility that is translated into our bodies this is what des- this is what god desires for us you know what i really like about doing this podcast is one obviously sharing ideas and truth and being able to express myself if you will but what i really love about this podcast is i get to be transformed as well as i speak that i get to hear what the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart when I, you know, when I read these excerpts and I recognize, oh, I'm meant to share this with another person or a couple people or whatever, um, that it's, it's for me too. And, and everything I just said, that was for me. (laughs) I, I need to hear that I can't become holy without conforming to God's will for my life. I need to hear that and I need it repeated quite often because I frequently think, well, okay, God, so that's a good option, what you're presenting to me, but but I think that I maybe have a better option and I think that I, I could make it work. What do you think? What do you think? You know? And then I try to negotiate and he's like, I mean, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> There's no negotiating. I mean... It's choosing him or not choosing him. So anyway, we're going to move on to the second gesture of kneeling. And it is this gesture of falling to one's knees before another. And Cardinal Ratzinger offers the examples of lepers, you know, falling 
on their knees before Jesus or people who are in dire need of healing who come before Jesus kind of like with these intentions and desires and I really love what again what Cardinal Ratzinger says he says the bodily gesture itself is the bearer of the spiritual meaning which is precisely that of worship Without the worship, the bodily gesture would be meaningless, while the spiritual act must, of its very nature, because of the psychosomatic unity of man, express itself in the bodily gesture. The two aspects are united in the one word because in a very profound way, they belong together. When kneeling becomes merely external, a merely physical act, it becomes meaningless. On the other hand, when someone tries to take worship back into the purely spiritual realm and refuses to give it embodied form, the act of worship evaporates. For what is purely spiritual is inappropriate to the nature of man. Worship is one of those fundamental acts that affects the whole man. That is why bending the knee before the presence of the living God is something we cannot abandon. Oh, that is why bending the knee... Before the presence of the living God is something we cannot abandon because we are body and soul. And if we act in our body without the interior disposition of worship and reverence, then the actions are meaningless. But then we also can't just have a spiritual worship. It also has to be bodily. It's bodily. This is why the mass is so amazing why it's so amazing. You know, people make fun of Catholics because you stand and you kneel and you sit and you stand and you kneel and you sit. Well, that is us actively participating in the worship of God. That is what we're doing. We are standing when we are honoring the word being proclaimed in the gospel. We are kneeling when Jesus Christ becomes present upon that altar in the Eucharist. We are sitting when we are resting and hearing the word and hearing the proclamation of the homily, right? There's a reason for everything. There's a reason for everything. That Catholic gymnastics joke, I mean, it's, yeah, like, hardy, hardy, hard. Okay, but it's real. What we're doing has meaning and it has purpose, and it's because we are body and soul. So I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm quite passionate about this. So we're going to keep going. Colonel Ratzinger says, to bend the knee is therefore to bend our strength before the living God, an acknowledgement of the fact that all that we are, we receive from him. To bend the knee is therefore to bend our strength before the living God, an acknowledgement of the fact that all that we are, we receive from him. That is what we are saying to the Lord when we bend the knee, or both knees, um, when we enter a sanctuary, or whenever we participate in Eucharistic adoration, whatever it is. Um, so we're going to continue. And, and again, this re what, what I was struck by, particularly when I read these excerpts for the first time was this kneeling before the humility of Christ, that, that Christ became so low and so humble that we can't do anything except to revere that humility because his humility is so incredible. So we're going to read a little bit about that. Colonel Ratzinger says, 
It is precisely this humility which comes from love, that is the truly divine reality, and procures for him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Here the hymn of the Apostolic Church takes up the words of promise in Isaiah 45, 23. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. In the interweaving of Old and New Testaments, it becomes clear that even as crucified, Jesus bears the name above every name, the name of the Most High, and is himself God by nature. Through him, through the crucified, the bold promise of the Old Testament is now fulfilled. All bend the knee before Jesus, the one who descended, and bow to him precisely as the one true God above all gods. The cross has become the world-embracing sign of God's presence. And all that we have heard previously about the historical and cosmic Christ should now in this passage come back to our minds. The Christian liturgy is a cosmic liturgy, precisely because it bends the knee before the crucified and exalted Lord. Here is the center of authentic culture and the culture of truth. The humble gesture by which we fall at the feet of the Lord inserts us into the true path of life of the cosmos. So in addition to all these incredible words that Cardinal Ratzinger is sharing with us about humility and what it is to revere the humility of God, what it is ourselves to be humble. He also mentions a couple of stories in this section on kneeling about uh, yeah, what it is to not kneel. And so he says, there's a story that comes from the sayings of the desert fathers, according to which the devil was compelled by God to show himself to a certain Abba Apollo. He looked black and ugly, with frighteningly thin limbs, but most strikingly, he had no knees. Okay, I'm just going to repeat that so you all understand. There's a story that came forth from the Desert Fathers by which the devil was compelled by God to reveal himself to a certain man. And when the devil revealed himself to this man, not only was he black and ugly with these thin limbs, but the devil had no knees. He had no knees. And Ratzinger says, the inability to kneel is seen as the very essence of the diabolical. So if that doesn't bump up the intensity of this podcast show, then I don't know what will. The inability to kneel is seen as the very essence of the diabolical. The devil had no knees. He would not bow before the Lord. So to conclude today's episode, because I've shared a lot with you, I think this about sums it up. The man who learns to believe learns also to kneel. And a faith or a liturgy no longer familiar with kneeling would be sick at the core. Where it has been lost, kneeling must be rediscovered so that in our prayer we remain in fellowship with the apostles and martyrs, in fellowship with the whole cosmos, indeed in union with Jesus Christ himself. What we do in our bodies can reveal what happens in our interior. 
And my encouragement to you all is to just pay attention. What is stirring in your interior when you go into a sanctuary or when you prepare for Mass? Are you distracted and thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch or what you're going to do on the rest of your Sunday? Or are you really truly acknowledging that Christ is present and that he's been waiting to see you and he's been waiting to give himself to you in the Eucharist? And do you kneel before that reality? Do you kneel before the king of the universe who not only humbled himself so much to experience the most shameful and humiliating death, but, but also who, who humbles himself to become food so that you can be one with him? Do we kneel before that humbling reality? That's what I wanted to share with you all today, and I hope that I hope that we become a church that reveres the Lord as he deserves to be revered. I hope that we become a church that when someone new comes into mass and sees how we revere the Lord and the Eucharist, when he comes to us upon the altar, by how we receive him, by how we leave the sanctuary. I hope that people can come in and see that he's really there. No one's going to believe that he's really there if we as Catholics don't act like it. And if we don't love him and adore him in the Eucharist. Well, there you have it. I'm crying to be expected over the Eucharist because that almost always is my source of tears. So anyway, let's close with a prayer. If you all could pray for me, that would be splendid. Um, thank you all for listening. And I, I do just pray that the Holy Spirit may be infused into all of our hearts so that whatever we're doing, we are worshiping the Lord in our bodies and our minds and our hearts, glorifying him and all that we have. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we give you all thanks and all praise for this day, and most especially for the gift of yourself in the Eucharist, and most especially, Lord, that you come to dwell with us on earth. And Lord, I just pray that we would all have a deeper reverence and love for you and that we might in our hearts be transformed so much so that we revere you so actively and so openly and so visibly in our bodies. Not just, Lord, when we worship you on Sundays, but throughout every single day of our lives, Lord. And we just pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that we would be the witnesses and the saints that you have called us to be. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week.